0: Yeah. A test, it yeah, yeah, no, they thought it you know, it was more optional even though Denver was increasing. But I had my brain more than a few times while I on that. I suppose we, we probably ought to get her started if we want to get her done, huh? <laughs> I don't know, probably. We mess with everything. I don't think so, yeah. I think as long as you're there, I think you're fine. Perfect, the whole time? Excellent. Well, you've got to do the back of your hair then. That's the... Right, every angle from now on. We all got to be made up since we're on camera. We got to put on the makeup and you know put on the fancy clothes. No, all right. Well, um, let's let's get her started this morning, shall we? We've got our fifth Sunday. It's I tell you guys, it is really good to see you guys. <laughs> it's been a minute. Uh, I, you know, when Becca and I went, uh, we went camping, and um, so the the Boy Scouts actually they they didn't go but we decided to go anyway because we had everything ready. Um, It was cold, just FYI. (laughs) We had mummy bags and sleeping bag liners and, you know, all this stuff. It was like 6 o'clock. We had finished dinner. The fire was getting low, and we're like, all right, I think we're going to go climb in our sleeping bags because it's chilly. (laughs) But it um, it was good stuff. Um, well, it's we got a uh, Psalm 35 to kick us off this morning. We're in Luke chapter 16, so let's jump into the Psalm and we'll, and we'll pray and we'll get we'll get this morning started. Contend, Lord, with those who contend with me. Fight against those who fight against me. Take up shield and armor. Arise and come to my aid. Brandish spear and javelin against those who pursue me. Say to me, I am your salvation. May those who seek my life be disgraced and be put to shame. May those who plot my ruin be turned back in dismay. May they be like chaff before the wind, with the angel of the Lord driving them away. May their path be dark and slippery, with the angel of the Lord pursuing them. Since they hid their net from me without cause and without cause dug a pit for me, may ruin overtake them by surprise. May the net they hid entangle them. May they fall into the pit to their ruin. Then my soul will rejoice in the Lord and delight in his salvation. My whole being will exclaim, Who is like you, Lord? You rescue the poor from those too strong for them, the poor and needy from those who rob them. Ruthless witnesses come forward. They question me on things I know nothing about. They repay me evil for good and leave me like one bereaved. Yet, when they were ill, I put on sackcloth and humbled myself with fasting. When my prayers returned to me unanswered, I went about mourning as though for my friend or my brother. I bowed my head in grief as though weeping from my mother. But when I stumbled, they gathered in glee. Assailants gathered against me without my knowledge. They slandered me without ceasing. Like the ungodly, they maliciously mocked. They gnashed their teeth at me. How long, Lord, will you look on? Rescue me from their ravages, my precious life from these lions." I will give you thanks in the great assembly. Among the throngs, I will praise you. Do not let those gloat over me who are my enemies without cause. Do not let those who hate me without reason maliciously wink the eye. They do not speak peaceably, but devise false accusations against those who live quietly in the land. They sneer at me and say, Aha! Aha! With our own eyes, we have seen it. Lord, you have seen this. Do not be silent. Do not be far from me, Lord. Awake and rise to my defense. Contend for me, my God and Lord. Vindicate me in your righteousness, Lord my God. Do not let them gloat over me. Do not let them think, aha, just what we wanted, or say, we have swallowed him up. May all who gloat over my distress be put to shame and confusion. May all who exalt themselves over me be clothed with shame and disgrace. May those who delight in my vindication shout for joy and gladness. May they always say, the Lord be exalted, who delights in the well-being of his servant. My tongue will proclaim your righteousness, your praises, all day long. Amen. Father, we, uh, we're thankful for this Sunday morning. We're thankful for this time together. Father, it is, um, it is such a delight to get to take this time to be thankful to remember all of the wonderful things that you have done. I won't say that it's been an easy year, but quite frankly, this not easy year has made us thankful for the good ones that we have had. We have been so abundantly blessed, Lord, and here we are amidst all of the turmoil still here together. We have many things to be thankful for. Father, we've got your word open in front of us. We're going to dive into it. and Lord, we lift this place up as your church. We just ask that you... Open your wisdom and your heart to us that we would grow closer with you this morning. Amen. So, fifth Sunday this morning, so we're going to keep everybody in here for church today. Um, so, we got some quick announcements. Uh, it, it's been a couple of weeks, so I can really mess these up. It's fantastic. You guys have had like two or three weeks of good announcements. Excellent. Spoiled, rotten. Anyway, so uh, the last food bank, we actually did 260 families. Yes, Ms. Barb? uh, Normally, you know, we average over 200, 220, but I mean, 260 is is quite a bit, and um, you you all know it because you all worked it. (laughs) Um, But and then, so I I I have a story to tell you. So, um, the food bank through all of the pandemic stuff, we have, and even even the church has been blessed. We've been all of our bills have been paid. Everything has been taken care of. When we when all of this stuff hit back in um, in April and, and March, um, you know, we were sitting around going, man, are, you know, what's going to happen? We had a lot of uncertainty, a lot of fear, a lot of things that were going, man, how is this going to look? Um, you know, even come to the summertime, we weren't entirely sure. We were setting up lights in here. The, the sanctuary was empty. We were you know, getting cameras, we're doing this live stream thing, and man, how is Food Bank going to look with us going to to remote? How are we going to keep everybody safe? How is this going to look? And we come to Thanksgiving, and everything was perfectly fine. It was perfectly fine. The church is doing great. The bills are paid. The Food Bank has, has got plenty of funding. So you know, because I wasn't going to be there. I called up Barb and I was like, hey, it would be great if we could do something nice for people for Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so the kids decorated 150 bags and um, then, uh, the, you know, Barb did all the work. She called up the, the food bank of the Rockies and was like, hey, um, you know, we, maybe we could add some turkey breasts. Well, we'll buy them. We'll buy some turkey breasts. And they're like, no, actually, we, we, we have a grant for that. We'll... Um, We'll take care of that. Oh, and by the way, we also have some Prudos boxes um, that we'll, <laughs> we'll send along also. And um, so <laughs> it's funny, but I, I, I've taken up a new mantra, and that is where our, our new goal is now going to be to try to outgive God. That's, that's the plan. It's like, all right, so we, we try, you know, we try doing this. We try giving it away, and he just gave us more back. We tried to, to spend some of our, our abundance, and he said, no, I, we're, we're going to, you know, keep that in there, and, and we're just going to add on top of it. So that's our, our new mantra, is we're going to try and outgive God um, on a month-to-month basis. Um, but, I mean, in there, and I, I, I know it was a ton of work, and I, I cannot thank you guys enough for all of your hard work. And I just want to keep on encouraging you to, to not grow weary doing good. And we're, gonna, we're not going to leave this. We're going to keep on going with this for just a little bit. But um, it's just amazing. You guys are the hands and feet of our Lord and our community, and that's where we should be. And uh, it's, it, our, our message for today, is we're actually going to stay on the same passage for two weeks, so I apologize. But this is all about stewardship. It's all about... Um, how we act and being accountable for our actions before God, which is a—it's a scary thing, but it's also one of the things that um, that I think we can stand confidently in. In this, so um, Bible studies, we're um, you know still mixing those schedules around as we try and get everybody healed up and, and get the COVID levels down and all of that. So um, we'll we'll kind of play that by ear as we come back together. Um, we have some, some new teachers that have volunteered for the kids' ministry. And um, uh, Elizabeth um, isn't here this morning, but I think we still need one more volunteer for the, for the kids' ministry. So if anyone is interested in, uh, in jumping in there, please do so. It's, um, I say it's a, it's a great thing to do. Um, and, you know, like I say, it gives you a Sunday off at least once a month. You won't have to. <laughs> All right. So since I wasn't here last Sunday... I'm going to pick on somebody. Somebody come up here and tell me about how things went. Somebody, anybody. I'm going to start calling names. Anyone? No no hands raised? All right, excellent. I, we got two chairs. It's like between two ferns. Yes, we've got... Are going
1: to have a fireside
0: chat? Two ferns, buddy. <laughs> between two ferns with Mike and Phil.
1: bless others, and it really was a blessing. We, uh, Most of the people we went to really appreciated the food. There were some that uh, said they didn't need it and didn't take it, but the vast majority of people were very thankful for the food. Um, there were a few people in tears. Uh, when we, find we got to one of the neighborhoods that maybe didn't need the food as much, um, and one family in particular didn't take the food, and then they ran back out and... Gave a hundred bucks to put it <laughs> for the church, so um, just just a tremendous outreach. It really felt good. It was a beautiful day. I mean, the Lord blessed us with a beautiful day to do that, um, and just uh, really incredible to see these people who otherwise maybe weren't going to have a nice Thanksgiving have the opportunity to have a turkey breast and, and uh, an abundance of food that normally they might not. Have really great and everybody worked really hard um, just very blessed to be able to do it I'm sure there's others that would like to share their story, yeah. but I really enjoyed it it was great fun
0: No, that's awesome that's Thank great you. great stuff yeah thanks Mike
2: <laughs> so I wasn't there for a little bit of it because well I was open here and they left it like five minutes after church I didn't know this was going to happen but did, well, uh, slow that down there? buddy
0: awesome thanks bud
3: so steve and i went off the beaten path and uh i don't even know how many boxes we delivered steve any idea i don't know but we went over to the behind the car lot off over on the other side of the highway so really really needy type of area and I mean, we had kids coming out to help us bring stuff into the house. We had, God, we had people just, oh, my gosh, this lady comes running down the stairs to me, and she was like, what is this? We, we didn't know what we were going to do for Thanksgiving. We didn't know how we were going to, you know, celebrate. And it was, it was really cool to see just the love, the heart, the, the feel. Yeah, I loved it. It was awesome. Hard work. I'm still sore. <laughs> Those produce boxes are heavy. <laughs> thank you,
0: Shannon. Uh, anybody else? Anyone? Anyone? Yeah, guy. Okay, thank you. Yeah, it was. Um, like I say, just proud of you guys. Oh, all right.
4: Sorry, you get to hear from me again, brother. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's been like. Five minutes and you won't shut up. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, I'm. I'm. I'm gonna. I'll be. I'll be honest. I was sitting here getting ready for worship. I was a little nervous because Phil wasn't here, and um, I see a truck back up and unload three pallets, and I'm like, oh. and um, the team, uh, the Jesus team, came together. And uh, got this food handed out quickly. The kids were having fun. Everybody was, everybody, all the kids wanted to carry, like, too many bags and just wanted to give and give and give. And um, what I saw as a big daunting task, a big pile of produce, was nothing. Um, all these guys give it out, and they did a great job, and I got to watch and bless. I got to drive the truck around and bring kids back for potty breaks and... Just go wherever I need to go. But uh, every time I came back and forth, everybody was just happy and having a great time. It was super awesome. And I've been involved in ministry in the past like that, like trying to reach the community. And I will say I feel like we touched more people that day than any other ministry I've ever been a part of. It really just made an impact. One time we were going down one street, and we just kept knocking on doors. And they are like, no, we don't need it. No, we don't need it. We, next thing you know, like four or five of us are like ten blocks away from the truck and just tired. <laughs> And we're walking back in this house that we'd stopped at previously and that didn't need the food, said, hey, come here, we'll take it. We know people. We don't want you to carry it. I'm like, oh, thank you.
0: So <laughs> he works. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Thank you, Nate. Thank you. Right. Oh, Ms. Carolyn?
2: I was not planning on doing this. Yeah. Um, as you know, I've kind of got a bum leg, and so I, at first it was kind of sad that I had to stick behind. Um, but I just kind of want to give a shout-out. First of all, to all of the kids, little and big, um, for taking on the task of going out to strange houses, to caring and boxing and shopping, um, for all of these people you don't know, um, and having a giving heart, um, I'm so impressed by that, by all of these kids who, without any hesitation, said, yeah, let's go. Um, but I also want to shout out to the people behind the scenes, um, People who were boxing and unloading and loading and shopping and carrying and restocking and all of those things back here so that those people out there could get the food. Um, It was just such a blessing to see how well our church family is, it's an amazing team on all ends. And it was just such a blessing to see how it just, like, there was no, I mean, there was kind of a plan, but it was like, okay, everybody just go do something. And it just clicked. It was it was just absolutely awesome. So thank you for blessing me with this family. No.
0: Thank you, Ms. Carolyn.
2: Oh, yes, please. Yeah.
5: Mm, well, <laughs> um, I go to Beth Leckham and I thank you that we have had you at our church and oh, we're okay. here. We were recipients of, we live in, uh, behind Maverick and they were in our door before I knew what they were doing and it's like (laughs) we didn't really need some of it some of it we appreciated and passed it on but um, I just think it's wonderful that we're reaching out across the lines and um, we appreciate you. Um, My husband had surgery, 22 pound tumor on his right lung four years ago and so um, he's still having doctoring done and um, he's doing real estate, but, you know, he's not able to work all the time, and uh, so we appreciate what was given to us. No. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome.
0: <laughs> right. Anyone? Yes, Miss Barb, please. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Well then, as miss barb says it's it 's not really about the food, um, but it is about us being obedient and it's like i said um, it 's funny that we landed into this passage um, here in, in Luke chapter sixteen. so um, open up your Bibles there we 're going to be in Luke chapter sixteen verses one through fifteen and uh, as i said're we're, um, we 're actually going to have two messages on this passage. Um, today, we're going to focus on, on one side, and then next week, we're going to focus on another side. But um, I, I, this message is, is, it's all about stewardship. And when we think about that, when we think about stewardship, that is taking care of what we have been given, what we have been charged with, what we are responsible for. That is being good stewards of the gifts, the provision, the talents the ministries, whatever it is that has been put in front of us, taking care of that and employing it to the best of our abilities. Um, So let's jump into our passage if you have your, your Bibles open here. It says, "'Jesus told his disciples there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, "'What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be my manager any longer.'" The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their homes. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it 450. Then he asked the second, and how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it 800. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than they are the people of the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves, so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The Pharisees, who loved money, heard all of this and were sneering at Jesus. He said to them, "You are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others, but God knows your hearts. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight." So we're going to back up just a minute. If we were to go back um, you know, a few weeks to uh, to where we were in chapter fifteen. There, we have those three parables that that Jesus told to a a crowd. So there were some some Pharisees there, there was a crowd there, and the disciples were there. Now we've moved to a place where it's just Jesus and the disciples. He's only talking to them. Now, the very end part, he has an interaction with the Pharisees there, but he's telling this parable um, to to the disciples. And the audience is, is important. But the thing is, that's what happens there. If we go back to the to the, the parable of the, the prodigal son. We all know it pretty well. What's interesting about it is, is go to the very end of it because it leaves you hanging. There is no resolution to the other half of it. Remember, we, we all, and it's, it's true, we always focus on the, the lost son, the son that you know, goes out and, and wastes his wealth and, the, and then comes back, and we, he gets resolution. But there is no resolution between the father and the son who stayed at home, the one who was resentful of his brother. The last interaction they have is the father says to the son, he says, you know, you have been with me this whole time and everything that I have is yours. And then we don't get a response from the son. We don't get one. It just is left hanging there. It's funny, it actually has led many Bible scholars, you know, throughout time to wonder if there's not a missing page in the book, if there wasn't something they forgot to write down, if, you know, there wasn't a a missing piece there. But the thing is that there is a resolution. Remember who the audience was, who he was talking to, those Pharisees. How did they ultimately respond? Because they are who is represented by that son who stayed home, the one who was supposed to be in charge of and take care of the riches. They're supposed to be the religious one, the good one. How do they respond? They killed him. They took Jesus to the cross. So were they really the good son? Were they really the ones that, that were true and devoted or did they need just as much saving as, as this prodigal, if not more? But like I say, the, the end of that, the resolution was the cross there. But now those, those crowds are gone, and Jesus is speaking to the disciples. So our first topic today, when we, when we break this up, like I said, we're actually going to break this up into two, and our overall theme is, is stewardship. So today, we're going to focus on one part of that, and that's about money. I'm going to talk about money and giving and how to handle money. Because it's one of the things that, you know, we deal with every day in our lives. We deal with money every single day. And how do we, especially now, I mean, Black Friday and all the shopping and the giving and the Christmas, what is the good biblical way to handle our money? How do we do that? How do we avoid being like either the prodigal who goes out into to this Babylon, into this vanity's fair that we live in and, and waste everything that we have been given, or how do we not end up like the Pharisees, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, who loved money, ended up with a barrier between themselves and God? How do we avoid those traps? It's funny, um, when, when I was reading through this, and I, I heard this um, actually from, uh, from David Platt, but it's true. It's amazing to me how relevant and how applicable the Bible is, especially when you compare it to other religions. If you were to... Um, read through any of the other their books, whether you know it's it's talking about you know the, the Zen masters climbing the mountain tops and then you know jumping off and being caught up by the wind or you know staying in in their meditation for you know for days and days on end until they achieve enlightenment or maybe uh, at this time you'd be talking about you know the Greek or the Roman gods you know the um, you know fighting the the three headed three-headed monsters or you know going off and fighting the Medusa who can turn you to, to stone with a look. I don't know about you guys, but I've never met a Medusa. It's never been, I've, I've never had to look at her in the reflection of my shield, to. Uh, but, but I've had to deal with money. I, I've been a, an employer. I've had people working, you know, that, that have been my boss, and I've had people working underneath me. So when I read, first of all, the parable of the lost son, when I read that, I, I, I can relate to that. I, I am a son. I have a family. I know what it's like to be charged with things. And then when we read this, it's like, yeah, I I know what it's like to have a boss. I know what it's like to to be made responsible for things. I know what it's like to mess that up. And I know what it's like to, to sometimes to get it right. And it's one of the things that speaks to you about the truth of the Bible, is that when you read this, this is real. This is real stuff. This is real things that happen in our world. And it just, it rings to us through history. If we were just to sit down on your own and to read this, you would go, yeah, I want to be a shrewd manager. I want to be a good manager. I don't want to be wasteful. When my boss calls me to account, I want to be on the good side of that. It's, it's right there on the face of the parable. So we're going to talk about money. So what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say about money? Should we earn money? How do we earn money? And what do we do once we earn money? It's amazing that of the over 40 parables that are here in the Gospels, over a third of them have money somewhere in there. They, they, they feature money somewhere in the problem. So what are the good things? It's amazing, you know, when we talk about our values as a culture. And it's, it's interesting, especially right now, because it's one of the things that is being attacked regularly is one of the American values of hard work and saving. Those two things are, are greatly under attack. And you have to wonder, well, are they? You know, are they biblical founded principles? Or are those just American principles? Well, the answer is they actually are, are biblical. Those are actually built biblical principles for money. If we were to go back to the Old Testament, when, when God is setting up the Israelites in Israel, there's some things that he does that are absolutely astounding. He sets up divisions among the people. They actually have divided territories, and there's individual ownership of land. That's important. If you're learning in school, or if you're hearing from other people about communism, socialism, sharing, because when we get into the New Testament, there's some parts where, the, you know, especially in Acts, where it says, well, they shared everything they have. Well, they weren't abandoning individual ownership. They're talking about generosity with what they had been given. Same thing, when we talk about surrendering what we own, that's not talking about giving away all of our possessions. That is surrendering our lives, making a change in our mentality, that everything that we own, everything that we have is, is given to us by God, not by our own earning, not by our own worth, but given to us as provision by God. So if we were to, to flip over to Proverbs chapter 14, verse 23, and we're going to be all over Proverbs today, it says, all hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 through 11. My son, if you have put up security for your neighbor, if you have shaken hands and pledged for a stranger, you have been trapped by what you said, ensnared by the words of your mouth. So do this, my son, to free yourself. Since you have fallen into your neighbor's hands, go to the point of exhaustion and give your neighbor no rest. Allow no sleep to your eyes, no slumber to your eyelids. Free yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, like a bird from the snare of the fowler. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. How long will you lie there, sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief, and scarcity like an armed man. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 4. Sluggards do not plow in season, so at harvest time they look but find nothing. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 19. Those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies will have their fill of poverty. And then we go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6 through 15. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers and sisters, to keep away from every believer who is idle and disruptive and does not live according to the teachings you received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked night and day, laboring and toiling, so that we would not be a burden to any of you. We did this not because we have no right to such help, But in order to offer ourselves as a model for you to imitate. For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. The one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. We hear that some among you are idle and disruptive. They are not busy. They are busy bodies. Such people we command and urge you in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the food they eat. And as for you, brothers and sisters, never tire of doing what is good. Take special note of anyone who does not obey our instruction in this letter. Do not associate with them in order that they may feel ashamed. Yet, do not regard them as an enemy, but warn them as you would a fellow believer. It says to work. It says that work is a good thing. And I think we, it's funny, we know that. We know that work is hard, but we also know that it's rewarding. And it's, it's funny how we kind of understand that innately, and how when we are able to earn for ourselves our, our keep, that we take pride in that. But here it is laid out for us in the Bible. Another good way to earn money is savings. Go to Proverbs chapter 21, verse 20. It says, The wise store up choice food in olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. Proverbs chapter 30, verses 24 through 25. Four things on earth are small, yet they are extremely wise. Ants are creatures of little strength, yet they store up their food in the summer. Another good way to earn money is through wise planning and administration. And go to Proverbs chapter 27. It says, Be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds. For riches do not endure forever, and a crown is not secure for all generations. When the hay is removed and new growth appears and the grass from the hills is gathered in, the lambs will provide you with clothing and the goats with with the price of a field. You will have plenty of goat's milk to feed your family and to nourish your female servants. Another good way, and this is interesting, I want you to take special note of this, that, that we can receive things is through gifts. Philippians 4 chapter 16, it says, for even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. This is one of those places we should pause, because we're coming into Christmas. It's our, our time of, of giving and receiving gifts. And it's one of the things, it's, it's funny as Americans, we're really bad at this. We are really bad at receiving gifts because we like to be self-sufficient, right? We like to give, and we like to at least put on some kind of a facsimile that we're humble. We at least want to pretend that we don't think of ourselves as, as very good. So whenever somebody gives us something... What do we do? Oh, no, no, thanks. You know, gosh, I really, I, you know, no, I couldn't possibly. It's a couple of words that we probably ought to put into our, our vocabulary, our thank you and you're welcome. Those two words. Because here's the thing about, about gifts. See, when we receive things, it's not an expression of who we are. We often think of it that way, that you know, when we receive a compliment, when we receive an insult, when we receive a gift, that that is a statement about who we are. And that couldn't be farther from the truth. If we were to go back a, a few lessons, we were talking about the cross. It's something that's very important. While it's true that we are fallen sinners, while it's true that the cross did provide us with redemption, while the cross did provide us with a path back to reconciliation, it's not an expression of us. That is an expression of God. That is an expression of God's righteousness, God's justice, God's love, God's mercy, God's grace. It has nothing to do with what we have done or what we could do or how we could do. Those are all expressions of, of God's character. And it is definitely, any type of gift is definitely an expression of who the giver is, their love, their kindness, their generosity. That's all demonstrated, or sometimes their hypocrisy, right? Sometimes that's demonstrated in their giving too. So let's apply this a little bit, because this is important, especially in our world today, especially with online culture, with getting online and all of the things that are said online, When somebody is mean, or insulting, or hateful, or spiteful, divisive, are those expressions of who you are? No. No, those are expressions of the person that is saying those things. That has nothing to do with you. That's the the value, the stuff that's coming out of their heart. That's the vile poison that's pouring out from them. You might be the receiver, but that's not an expression of who you are, but we take it that way, don't we? Well, we take criticism. When we hear mean, hateful things, we take that and we're like, oh, that must be the truth, right? We do that all the time. When we hear the good things, we go, no, 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 that, you know, we, we brush that aside trying to put on that humility. But again, that giving, that receiving is something that it's a good way for us to get things, and all we need to have are those two words. Thank you, and you're welcome. Then there are some wrong ways in the Bible to get money. There are some wrong ways. It's funny, in our, in our culture, this is, uh, it's getting turned upside down. It's kind, of, it's kind of crazy to live in these times when we see people rioting and looting, and, and we see open theft, and we see people not being held accountable for the wrongs that they have done, when, in in dollar figures that we can't even fathom. When millions and billions of dollars, things that we can't even picture the numbers of, are stolen, and then, you know a person might spend a couple weeks in jail, maybe, if they're prosecuted at all, if, if they don't get a political favor. But it doesn't change that, that stealing is wrong. However, you steal. It's wrong. If we were to go to Exodus chapter 20, verse 15, or Ephesians 4:28, fraud is wrong. That's in Psalm chapter thirty-seven, verse twenty-one, or Hosea twelve-seven, or Amos eight-five, or Micah six- eleven. It's wrong. It's not okay. What about charging too much interest on a loan? See these check-cashing places all over the place, and man, I want to smack them because they, they prey on the poorest people among us—the people that are just living paycheck to paycheck who have an unexpected bill. And they charge them like 100% interest on a payday loan or on, a, on, a, on an uncashed check loan. But that's in Exodus 22, verse 25, or in Leviticus 25, or Nehemiah 5.7 5, and 5.10, or Psalm 15.5, Proverbs 28.8. We don't do that. We don't treat people that way. What about withholding payment, refusing to pay someone for, uh, for what they have done? That's in James chapter 5, verse 4. Those are wrong ways. The thing is that all of this comes down to an attitude. How we handle money, it comes down to an attitude. And there's a couple things that we can do. We can either give ourselves the credit or give somebody else the credit, or we can attribute it to God, and we can surrender it to God. If we have plenty, we thank God. If we are in want, we plead to God. But we need to surrender our lives, including our bounty and our provision, to God. And that is funny, but again, it doesn't mean, you know, the, the communist way of life. It doesn't mean selling everything or, you know, taking a vow of poverty and, and joining a convent. Although, it's funny, I was thinking about this. You know, we we do this a lot of times. I get, I, I do. I, I'm fairly cynical and So when I, you know, when we talk about people that have taken vows of poverty or taken vows of silence, you know, we, I kind of naturally want to pick on them a little bit. But the thing is, is that if that's what it takes for you to not be caught up by vanity's fair, if that's what it takes for you to not be ensnared by the devil's traps, then more on you. Some people need more rules. They need more processes. They need more of that structure. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. It's much better to take a vow of poverty or a vow of silence and to not fall into those snares, to to find yourself justified before God. I mean, this whole parable is about a man who's going to be called before his master, called to account. It'd be much better to have done without your entire life. It says to, you know, cut off your arm, cut out your eyes. I don't mean it literally, but to do this, to take that vow to exercise that no muscle to the extreme than to stand before God and have him say, I'm away from me. I, I never knew you. It would be way better to spend your life in a, in a convent or locked away or in, in the jungles of South America than to stand before God and have him go, I'm sorry, bud, but you've spent your whole life chasing after money. You've spent your whole life wondering what you know the score of the football game was, bud. I, I don't know you. And again, it's not that life isn't for everyone. But we certainly shouldn't look down on, on people who are earnestly seeking God and are going to whatever processes and whatever places they have to to get there. The thing is, the point is to recognize that it's all God's. All of it. Psalm fifty, chapter, oh, sorry, Psalm fifty, verses seven through fourteen. It says, Listen, my people, and I will speak. I will testify against you, Israel. I am God, your God. I bring no charges against you concerning your sacrifices or concerning your burnt offerings which are ever before me. I have no need of a bull from your stall or of goats from your pens, for every animal of the forest is mine. It's all his. And the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains and the insects in the fields are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and all that is in it. Do I eat the flesh of, of bulls or drink the blood of goats? No. Go to Haggai chapter 2, verse 8. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. And with that comes, it's a stern warning, isn't it? Go to Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 17 through 19. You may say to yourself, My power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But... Remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth, and so confirms His covenant, which He swore to your ancestors as it is today. If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and worship and bow down to them, I testify against you today that you will surely be destroyed. 1 Timothy 6, verse 17-18. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. That's repeated throughout the Bible. Whatever the it is in your life, your it has to be God, has to be. Thing is that we really live in an amazing time, absolutely amazing, unprecedented wealth, and we are born in an amazing place. Unprecedented freedom. It was uh, in the news this week that there are protests going on right now in France. It's funny we the First Amendment has been a, a big topic lately, um, especially with uh, you know Facebook and Twitter and those guys censoring some things during the the election. But we have more freedom of speech here than even in the European nations. They can't post pictures of police officers on websites in in France. It's against the law. You can go to jail. There's uh, laws in the UK about what you can and cannot post, especially around elections. We're one of the most free-speaking nations in the world. But with that, we're tempted to so many things. There are so many things that can be an idol in our lives. Whether it's our, our political causes or, you know, uh, some kind of material thing. right? There's everything. It could be extreme sports. It can be video games. It can be, you know, some kind of a physical sport. And there's, there's so many of them. Football and baseball and hockey and golf. And, I mean, there's so many. You know, and then you get into other things. You know, where maybe it's cars or maybe it's motorcycles or maybe it's model trains or, you know, whatever your hobby is. RC planes. There's so many toys that surround us constantly. And you could be completely idle. You could spend your life completely idle, just taking in media, whether it's movies or music or theater, or whatever it is. You could never leave your couch and just sit in idle laziness and be fully entertained for your entire life. This is a remarkable time to live. But those snares, those traps, are they're ever-present. They're always at our door. And money is one of those things that can become an idol in our lives. But it's especially dangerous because it's how we engage in our commerce. It's how we engage. We, we're really kind of forced to use it. Especially now. I mean, you can't even bring cash to most places right now. You're certainly not going to get change back. So that little debit card in your pocket suddenly... It's, it's not only your, your ticket, but it's also kind of a weight around your neck. And the, the point is not to, to disengage. The point is to be aware of it and to not let it be an idol in your life. To know those, those traps and snares are there. To be aware of them. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 10 says, But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world If you wanted to go through the Bible, and we'll actually go through some more next week, but there are numerous examples of people who have fallen into this trap, who have fallen into the trap of of money. You can think about Achan or or Balaam or Judas or Ananias and Sapphira. If we wanted to go to Joshua or Numbers or Matthew or, or Acts. The thing is that loving money, it leads to something. It leads to ungratefulness and pride. If you go to Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 10 through 16, it says, When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land He has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe His commands, His laws, and His decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase, and all you have is multiplied, then... Your heart will become proud, and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known, to humble and test you so that in the end it might go well with you. If we were to go to, to Luke chapter 12, it's the, the parable of the rich fool. We've read this before. He's a rich guy and he's got an abundant harvest and he says, oh, I'm going to build myself bigger barns. I need bigger grain silos. I'm going to build bigger, bigger, bigger. But then God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be for whoever stores up things for themselves that is not rich toward God. We go to Malachi chapter 3, verses 6 through 12. It says, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are you robbing me? In tithes and offerings, you were under a curse, your whole nation, because you were robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. This is where I got the idea, by the way, to try and see if we can outgive God, is right here. He says, He says, Test me in this. All right. Game on. I think we're going to lose, but that's all right. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop the fruit before it's ripe. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land. First John chapter 3, verse 17 says, If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? So, how do we do this? How do we properly handle money? Well, first we honor God. That's the first thing is we honor God. We go to that, the, those two commandments. Man, I hammer the heck out of these things, don't I? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, with all your strength. Him first. Proclaim the gospel. Exalt Christ. If you need some help with the money part, I suggest getting on the Dave Ramsey plan. I think we've got a couple of the, the total money makeover things in the library, and maybe if you know, somebody wants to, to host a, you know, one of the, the classes here, let's do it. Because it's funny, but I mean, you know, Dave has made millions of dollars, but what he has done is taken these biblical principles for money and written them down in simple steps and then given you a a budget that follows it. That's all it is. And it says giving. Because once we get to that place where we've paid off all of our debts and we've gotten to solid footing, then how could we not? How could we not give? But we don't give because we're obligated to. We don't give because, you know, Phil says so, or because, you know, well, I I guess. We give out of the abundance that God has blessed us with. And because we look around, we go, man, I I wouldn't have any of this. I wouldn't have any of it if it weren't for God. And God says there's some things that we need to do. There's some people that are hurting. I, I walked through the streets of Fruta last Sunday, and there's so many people that are hurting. How could I not? How could I not be on mission helping those people around me? 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 1 through 8 says, Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. Give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need, but if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn first of all to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents, for this is pleasing to God. The widow who is really in need and grandparents for, and left alone puts her hope in God and continues night and day to pray and to ask God for help. But the widow who lives for pleasure is dead even while she lives. Give the people these instructions so that no one may be open to blame. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives, and especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. James chapter 2 says... What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep you warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. But Someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds." You believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that, and they shudder. Show us your faith by your deeds. See, Christians, we give from the wellspring God provides, with the love that is in our hearts, in obedience to what God asks, to serve the people around us, to work towards the tasks that we have been assigned. Talk about being stewards, to being on task, And he he names them out, the poor, the needy, the sick, widows, orphans, and those in prison. Then we get a couple of warnings at the very end of this. We get a couple of warnings. And those warnings are, are pretty simple, but they're important because we get into this and there's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of things that can, that can build up in our hearts. But especially where we live now, there's, there's a final warning against the lure of objects, of, of loving, worshiping, coveting, and replacing God with material wealth and comfort. We're in Matthew chapter 6. We read from this briefly. But we're going to go through 19 through 24. It says, Do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. No one can serve two masters. It's the same thing they say about being in debt. makes you a slave to the, to the lender. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Amen. All right. We're going to close with prayer. I was going to do Psalm 89, but it's, quite a bit long, and we're overtime. So we'll just pray, and we'll, we'll get out of here. Father God, we come before you. Lord, we, um, we have this week coming up, and uh, we have a lot of things that are on our hearts and on our minds, and we've got Christmas coming up, and Lord, we want to spread joy, the joy of celebrating your son's birth at this special time. And that's what we're trying to do is we're trying to take some of the joy that you have given us and spread it to the world, to give it to those around us that they would know you, that they would see you, that they would know the joy of knowing your son. Father, please help us to have clear vision and to to make wise choices to be able to help spread that joy this holiday season. Father, there's... I wish there was a a little break from uh, the prayers for people that are sick, but, Lord, they are. They're sick. There's people with cancer and and doctor's appointments and and surgery and recovering from surgery and recoveries that that aren't going so well. And Father, we have families that are praying right now over their little boy who's in a coma and may not wake up. We have so many people that Physically, their bodies are are hurting, Lord, and just lay them before you. We know that you are the great physician, that you are the healer, and that out of these things, that you can bring great things, that your goodness and mercy will just pour out of there. And that's what we're asking for, Father, is that you come close, because we know that wherever you are, that goodness and mercy follows. Father, if it's your will to, to heal them, that um, please do so. Please heal their bodies, whether it's through your hands or through doctors' hands or medicines, however it is. Father, this sickness is still ravaging our country, still hurting our families and friends. We lift it up to you. We know that all things are under your control and we surrender to your will, Father, but we still plead with you to keep our friends and families safe to make wise decisions that we would, Lord, that we would be called good stewards of the gifts that you have given us. Father, we lift up our children to you. Their worlds have been turned sideways. Some of them get to go to school. Some of them don't get to go to school. Some of them are online only. I can't imagine what it's like for them I just, am uh, seeking their comfort. I'm seeking your wisdom, Father. I just ask that you uh, speak loudly into their hearts. That they would be following your light. And that if they need an extra hug or some extra kind words, Father, let it pour out from this place to them. Father, we lift up our, our valley to you. We know that there's so many people that are, that are hurting, that need you desperately. And Father, we... We seek to be your hands and feet. We seek to have deeds that that match our faith. So we're asking for that, Father, that we would be good stewards of the many blessings that you have given us, that we would not sit here idle, that we would go forward, Father, on mission for you. We ask all of that, Father, in the loving name of your Son, Jesus Christ. We're so thankful for your Son. Amen.